Welcome to Star Wars and TN. Now hit the intro. What well you have? You are now tuned in to a Star Wars show, so just sit back and ready to flow. Clear your mind of what you know, and let the force be the course of where we go. As we take this journey far, far away, now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Far Far Away family? How's everyone doing on this wonderful Friday? We hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy. Not much new out here on the Outer Rim. I tried to get some supplies yesterday, but everyone on Tatooine is all tied up right now. This whole bubble fed in the pike stuff is getting annoying. How much can an old Sith take? There's stuff that I need to get. Anyway, we have a story to get to, and I think there's no better time to do that than right now. So let's get to it. Adhering to the rules established through the procedures outlined in the proceeding, as well as all subsequent articles, our sixth demand stipulates that a body of... Mad Tandar rubbed a long-fingered hand across the pronounced frontal ridge of his tall, conical cranium, hoping to massage away the looming headache that had been building over the last 20 minutes. Gelba... The being he had come to the planet of Done to negotiate with paused in the reading of her petition to ask, Something wrong, Master Jedi? I am not a master, the Serian reminded the self-appointed leader of the rebels. I am only a Jedi Knight. With a sigh, he dropped his hand. After a moment's pause, he forced himself to add, I'm fine. Please continue. With a curt nod, Gelba resumed with her seemingly endless list of ultimatums. Our sixth demand stipulates that a body of elected representatives from the mining caste be given absolute jurisdiction over the following eleven matters. One, the determination of wages in accordance with galactic standards. Two, the establishment of a weekly standard of hours any given employee can be ordered to work. Three, an approved list of safety apparel to be provided by... The short, muscular human woman droned on, her voice echoing strangely off the irregular walls of the underground cave. The other miners in attendance, three human men and two women crowding close to Galba, were seemingly transfixed by her words. Med couldn't help but think that, should their tools ever fail, the miners could simply use their leader's voice to cut through the stone. Officially, Med was here to try to end the violence between the rebels and the royal family. Like all Sureans, he possessed a binary brain structure, allowing him to simultaneously process both sides of a conflict. Theoretically, this made him an ideal candidate to mediate and resolve complex political situations, such as the one that had developed on this small mining world. In practice, however, he was discovering that playing the part of a diplomat was far more trying than he had first imagined. Located on the outer rim, Doan was an ugly brown ball of rock. More than 80% of the planetary landmass had been converted into massive strip mining operations. Even from space, the disfigurement of the world was immediately apparent. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. 
furrows five kilometers wide and hundreds of kilometers long crisscrossed the torn landscape like indelible scars. Great quarries hewn from the bedrock descended hundreds of meters deep, irreparable pockmarks on the face of the planet. From within the smog-filled atmosphere, the ceaseless activity of the gigantic machines was visible. Excavation equipment scurried back and forth like oversized insects, digging and churning up the dirt. Towering drilling rigs stood on mechanical legs, tunneling to previously unplumbed depths. Gigantic hovering freighters cast shadows that blotted out the pale sun, as they waited patiently for their cavernous cargo holds to be filled with dirt, dust, and pulverized stone. Scattered across the planet were a handful of five-kilometer-tall columns of irregular dark brown stone, several hundred meters in diameter. They jutted up from the ravaged landscape like fingers reaching for the sky. The flat plateaus atop these natural pillars were covered by assemblages of mansions, castles, and palaces overlooking the environmental wreckage below. The rare mineral deposits and rampant mining undone had turned the small planet into a very wealthy world. That wealth, however, was concentrated almost exclusively in the hands of the nobility, who dwelled in the exclusive estates that towered above the rest of the planet. Most of the populace was made up of Doan society's lower castes, beings condemned to spend their lives engaged in constant physical labor or employed in menial service positions with no chance of advancement. These were the beings Gelba represented. Unlike the elite, they made their homes down on the planet's surface in tiny makeshift huts surrounded by the open pits and furrows, or in small caverns tunneled down into the rocky ground. Med had been given a small taste of their life the instant he stepped from the climate-controlled confines of a shuttle. A wall of oppressive heat thrown up from the barren, sun-scorched ground had enveloped him. He'd quickly wrapped a swatch of cloth around his head, covering his nose and mouth to guard against the swirling clouds of dust that threatened to choke the air from his lungs. The man Galba had sent to greet him also had his face covered, making communication all the more difficult amid the rumbling of the mining machines. Fortunately, there was no need to speak as his guide led him across the facility. The Jedi had simply gawked at the sheer scope of the environmental damage. They had continued in silence until reaching a small, rough-hewn tunnel. Med had to crouch to avoid scraping his head on the jagged ceiling. The tunnel went for several hundred meters, sloping gently downward until it emerged in a large natural chamber lit by glow lamps. Tool marks scored the walls and floor. The cavern had been stripped of any valuable mineral deposits long before. All that remained were dozens of irregular rock formations rising up from the uneven floor, some less than a meter high, others stretching up to the ceiling a full 10 meters above. They might have been beautiful had they not all been the exact same shade of dull brown that dominated Doan's surface. The makeshift rebel headquarters was unfurnished, but the high ceiling allowed the Serian to finally stand up straight. More importantly, the underground chamber offered some small refuge from the heat, dust, and noise of the surface, enabling them all to remove the muffling cloth covering their faces. Given the shrillness of Galba's voice, Med was debating if this was entirely a good thing. Okay, this part starts off with a switch of scenery. We jump to a planet called Dawn, and we meet a Serian Jedi Knight named Med Tandar. He is there to negotiate between the Dawn ruling family and the rebel miners. 
and I can just say that this had to be the most boring part ever. As I was sitting here listening to it, I was trying my best not to doze off. And the description of Dawn was horrifying. Dawn has to be one of the ugliest planets ever. Just a brown planet full of holes with a smog-filled atmosphere. That just sounds like a terrible place to go. If I was a Jedi and the council tried to send me there, I would be on my knees begging, please not Dawn, anywhere but Dawn. That's how bad this crap hole sounds. It is so bad that as soon as Med stepped off the ship, he had to cover his face. There's nothing that sounds desirable about this planet. But Med did get some relief. When he got to the rebel base or cave or whatever you want to call it, he was able to remove his mask. That was before Gelba started talking. She was the rebel mining representative that was listing all of their demands. Med wished Gelba would have kept her mask on, so he wouldn't have to hear her talk. And I can understand that. Just from the little we heard of her in this part, I get why Med had a headache. And he is serene. They have an extra big head. So she had to sound extra bad. And that's where this part came to an end. Join us Monday for the next part of Darth Bane Dynasty of Evil. And don't forget to tune in to Lightsaber Radio tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for their live show on YouTube. There's a link in the description of this show. So we hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Intent. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Kenai Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.